before we get started with this um, week's episode, um, I really wanted to jump in and first say to you guys, how are you? I know. And it's going to be okay. I think it's been a lot that's happened, you know, this previous week. So many heavy, heavy things that we had to go through. And I hope that the creators create the medicine needed for our souls to really get through these moments and times. Because I know it isn't good. I know it don't feel great. But we're going to be okay. We're meant to survive. We were the first people, and we for damn sure going to be the last. Understand that. Our strength is here. This episode is specifically and especially geared to men to understand more about themselves. I hope myself and my guest can truly touch you guys to obtain that freedom that you deserve right now in this lifetime. Black lives will always matter, but we have to be better to each other as well because we meant to get there all together. I love y'all, I see y'all, and we gonna be good. Let's start the show. Welcome, welcome. This is the Simply King Podcast, and this is your boy Rodney Perry King himself. And you just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for humans, simply being humans. And I have today with me a very special guest, um, a black man that I'm so glad I've met um, because I feel like in our very uh, few conversations, I've already uh, learned so much. And from conversations that we've had, it's even made my own therapist be like, damn, really? <laughs> and uh, you got to appreciate people like that who uh, who really resonate with you with the words and their presence and the work that they do. I have with me um, educator, um, black man, Michael R. Williams. How you feeling, bro? Hey, man, I'm just happy to be here. Um, happy to be home. You know, and have a place to call home. Yep. Uh, I'm happy to be well in this moment. So, yeah, thanks for the invite. So, for a little bit of backstory, I actually, um, when I put out my episode, uh, Black Men Admit, uh, which you can find on uh, streaming everywhere, um, podcast or stream, um, that same week, uh, Michael actually was uh, promoting a uh, workshop. Um, that, that was titled, if I believe, if I, if I remember correctly, uh, Unlearning Patriarchy. And it was through the Melon Network, yep. which I actually did my own um, podcast uh, workshop through that same um, same uh, network. And I was like, oh, this is like, I'm so glad I seen this because I really would love for him to hear this episode that I literally just recorded and um, and just give me feedback or just, you know, whatever, whatever. And um and I immediately just reached out, said, hey, look, I just did an episode that I feel like I'm not sure what you're going to talk about on Saturday, but I would love for you to, you know, check it out and give me any type of feedback. And uh, he immediately was like, we can do a Zoom call. We can just talk. <laughs> we can talk before I, before the uh, the workshop. And I was like, cool. 
and um, set up a Zoom call, and we literally just chopped it up. And it was just very, um, very dope to meet someone who you can see that is already doing their own self work, allowing for that sort self work that they're doing to be taught to others and spread to others, and easily, you know, just disseminating that information because we really need more of those conversations amongst uh, black men and black women as a whole when we're talking about our health and we're just talking about understanding what we're all dealing with and what we need to unlearn. And so I'm so glad that I could bring them on, but I would really, really, really love for us to first um, do just an overall check-in. This week was um, this week that we were recording is, was a very interesting week. Um, no matter where your focus more than likely was, there's something you could possibly have ran into something kind of negative. You know, if you are literally from the South and are going to be affected by Hurricane Laura, if you have, uh, if you're, (laughs) if you're an NBA, (laughs) NBA fan, (laughs) if you're a resident of Kenosha, Wisconsin, if you're a black person in America, it's so many various things that I can understand that can really shake you up in amidst being in the midst of a pandemic that has been going on for, I don't even know how many months now, at least what, six, six, six months, six is, uh, well, no. yeah, it's almost six months, yeah, almost six months. And so that's something that I would love to, you know, start with instead of doing the, um, the Twitter check in, I would love to just do a overall mental health check in. How are you right now? Um, so I'm in a good point because I worked out before, um, the podcast. I, I do CrossFit. I do CrossFit about um, three to four times a week. Man. Um, but this week I incorporated biking. So my on Monday, I think Monday was Kobe's birthday and I did eight miles that day. Um, and then I think on yesterday I did a little over six miles. So, you know, I try at least do five miles a week if I do bike. Mm-hmm. But um, that was my release. You know, that was my release at that moment. So I think prior to that release, I was, I was stuffed. Yeah. You know, I was really stuffed mentally in that I recognized um, Jacob Black. I recognized that uh, and seeing that and knowing that his children was there. We're, we're back at, we're back at step one all over again, yep. you know, in another situation. Mm-hmm. So how, how is the, how's the world going to react to another situation? You know, another black man. Um, and I am even more, when I thought about it and, and I've been studying this, I've been researching this, I am even more terrified because he survived, yep. you know, like he, he like, and that, and that comes off kind of crazy. Like he survived. And what is the imagery? What is the conversation going to be now that he survived and he has a part in this conversation to say his, his, his feelings, his scenario, mm-hmm. like what it meant to him. Yeah. Um, so I felt that. Um, it, it can re- remember rarely has happened when uh, someone has. Uh, let me. Ooh, got a phone call coming in. You still there? My bad. Yeah, I'm still here. Um, when someone has um, survived um, that I know of, I think there's one instance when it was in South Carolina, uh, the gentleman survived. Uh, but beyond that, you know, it's, it's it's a different scenario. It's a different situation. Um, and then I, again, I thought about COVID. You know, mm-hmm. me being a, uh, a college lecturer, me being in the classroom with students, uh, even that's a, a real funny feeling. 
you know, because like I'm actually teaching in person for right now. And I was mm-hmm. getting notices of how students were um, coming in contact with their roommate or someone else and they have to quarantine. And one day I feel like, you know what, this is just too much. Yeah. I don't want to continue this. I don't want to be even, you know, a part of this again. So you all like, we're going to cancel class. Like I see you all online. Um, don't worry about it. Let's take a week off. Let's take like, you know, a week and a half off to really gather ourselves and, and come back. So those two things were heavy. Um, the, the, the NBA situation really didn't impact me because I haven't been, you know, watching as much basketball, mm-hmm. but I started feeling some type of way when the NBA took the glory from the WNBA. Mm-hmm. Like, because the WNBA been all about this social justice restoration movement, yep. but now since they're in the bubble, you know, they're just really, and they have more accessibility. Like you see more of the NBA games than WNBA. So yeah. their whole spotlight is taken away from that moment. I feel like, you know what, that's not even right. That's not even like a, a liberation type of move for that to happen in the media. So that kind of messed me up. But right now I'm good. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for the weekend. Tomorrow's Friday. Yeah. So I got a pretty decent work day tomorrow. How about yourself? How are you? Um, honestly, like, uh, I actually did like a, a live check in yesterday um, on my IG um, IG live and everything because I woke up feeling already you know like I was avoiding the details you know and regardless even no matter how much you avoid the details because I think and it was crazy because yesterday it was when everybody was you know calling and checking in and. And, you know, hey, you heard what happened and, you know, you, you don't live too far away from Wisconsin. Like, what's going on? Like, how is your city and all these various things? Yeah. So even if I was uh, kind of going into a shell because I already felt my own ways, you know, outside of what uh, outside of that occurrence, mm-hmm. I was like, no, nah, I can't I can't rush to see this right now. I really can't rush to go and see another black man get shot. Like, I'm really going to. I'm not going. Obviously, I, there's no way for me to miss out yeah, on the information. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get the information I need so I yeah. can do whatever I need to do in terms of the uh, where I feel like my role and what my purpose really uh, aligns with when these situations happen. That's either disseminating information, creating something out of it, whatever, whatever. So, but for me, mm-hmm. it's hard to do that when I'm already mm-hmm. in a space, and um, I feel like I had to kind of unload yeah. some things and that's why I did that live I really felt like I needed to unload some things and really get back re, you know recenter myself and um especially in the midst of you know a time that's very uncertain I actually did a meditation the day that was literally titled that like recentering yourself in the midst of uncertainty <laughs> by uh by Alex L yeah. and um and it was it was great that I did that because I really truly felt good and it was literally just me doing what I always do, but it was, I think the intention and the purpose being behind it, being um, truly a check-in and a release and just talking about the moment, Mm -hmm. but also allowing the space for Mm -hmm. it to be an escape as well, uh, or just time away from your thoughts uh, to just let them all out and just leave them there. I think that was something I really, really needed to do. And I'm so glad I did it. And I wanted, I really Mm -hmm. wanted to not feel that heavy coming into this conversation. You know, I really wanted um, because I okay. I really didn't want my emotions to uh, get the best of me 
or all the things that I feel like I was feeling to get the best of me and come through my art in a way that I don't believe I wanted it to. You know, I wanted to, because I was like, I want to, I feel like mm. I've been, because of the random ass storm we had in Chicago where power was out for days, uh, really set my whole schedule of content kind of back and it just made everything real lax for me. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I hate that feeling of feeling like, bro, you have all the tools available to you to consistently create in the way that you want to. There's nothing blocking you like a lot of other digital creators. And But just, you're, you know, you're you're not doing what you know you can do. And I, I had to be mm -hmm. gentle with myself and tell myself it's okay. So many things happen to not allow for this to be an yep. easy thing for you. And nobody's going to, you know, be mad at you. When you come back, you come back and put out what you need to put out. And so that's how I took it. That's how I received right. it. And I was so glad to um, to just do that because it was a dope release. And I was glad for the people who joined in and said that they appreciated me just giving them a message of, like, you know, it's very crazy times. But also this is a time for uh, for new changes and new uh, opportunities and for you to finally strive to a new goal that you probably have been putting off for so long because with everything else being so unprecedented, um, unprecedented self-action can occur too. Um, I think there's room for all those things because mm -hmm. it's shaky everywhere right now. <laughs> um, but but I, so the first question I would love for uh, before you get too deep because I know I know how you get down. I know you can really break shit down. You know what I'm saying? I would love for you to, you know, talk more about yeah, yourself yeah. and your own um, in your own journey. How did you get to this work of how did you get to the point to where you <laughs> felt that when it came to somebody approaching you about doing a workshop? Obviously, you know, you're you're a lecturer and all these various things. I would love to know the story of what made you interested in the aspects of understanding uh, just male patriarchy as it is in our society, how we, how it affects us as black people, as black men specifically, and all these different things. What made you want that to be a subject matter of your, um, of your, of your workshop and just your overall work that you um, do too? So, so I've, I've, I started out, um, you know, being like a well-doing person and seeing how I could through my own experiences, uh, mentor and help black men. Like yeah. early on in college, being at positions and mentor and help black men. Uh, even at the college, working in in different colleges and mentoring and helping black men. But I saw the ways that we were helping black men mm. weren't helping black men. Mm. Um, we were we were just it was like a superficial yeah. superficial type of of thing. Like we were telling them. You know, if you if you dress a certain way, mm -hmm. if you do a certain thing, mm -hmm. um, if if you if you do it by this rule book, you'll make it to a to another level. And I'm just like, there's got to be more to this. Like yeah. this, this 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 ain't no no three step process that all black men need to do. Yeah, and we gonna we gonna be all right in life. Mm -hmm. Like it's it got to be something more to that. And um, I thought about the ways that I. I wore my own mask, you know, and I wasn't really comfortable with myself. So um, the mask that I wore then is not as opaque mm. as the mask that I wear now. Because I still wear a mask now, but it's not like, you know, it's not that. You can you can see some of me now, and I'm, and I'm constantly working on that. Um, and, you know, 
it was that work, but I think the most important work that I had to learn and also suffer through was how I was treating black women, mm. you know, like realizing like how I was treating black women, knowing that I knew the research on how to treat black women better, but it wasn't connected. Yeah. You know, again, I was, I wasn't doing the internal work that I had to do. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the way that black women have continuously loved me and told me, I began to finally listen. I was like, okay, I need to change some things. Yeah. You know, I really need to really look at this deeper and see what one black woman are talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that like, you know, in this work of like black male initiatives, um, men and masculinity, male identities, that work only centered straight men. Yes. I was like, okay, we care about how straight men present themselves, but we never really talk to, you know, gay, queer, or even trans individuals. Like we no. don't have those conversations. Yeah. Um, and me identifying as, you know, uh, a cis male, I recognize like I do have a lot of privilege in that, that when people approach me, I don't have to go through a, a, a coming out process. I don't have to, you know, pretend to be someone else just to fit in as much, mm-hmm. you know, because that happens. And I realized, you know what, the work that I wasn't doing was really not for all black men, was just those who I agree with. Those yeah. I, I had must have challenge that I saw how much work within myself needed to be done mm-hmm. and understanding how one, if I'm going to support all black men, what does that really mean for my work and my practice, my personal beliefs? Yeah. Um, and then two, if I say that I love black women, what did that mean in my work and, and my personal beliefs? And I, I still, you know, I still been struggling with that. I still had major shortcomings. I still had major failures and, you know, I, I, I realized, I really realized that, you know what, I don't want to be a builder man. Like, yeah. I don't want to be a man that women have built up just for the next woman to benefit from. Like, that's not a process I say I want to continue to be a part of. I want to do my own work. I want to be self-made. Yeah. You know, I want to be self-made and really learn a lot of the things that I need to do to be free. So when I think about who I am as a person, I'm a black man that wants to be free. Uh, I'm a black man that wants to experience love and liberty and life, you know, and, and, and me by, by me doing that, I don't want to be a hindrance for anyone else. And, and by me not being a hindrance for anyone else, I have to understand I need to do to allow another person to be free and not tell them what their freedom is because mm. I can't do that. Mm. So that's how my work that's not that's that's like the core of my work and i've 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 done national presentations i've I've done i wrote book chapters i looked at a lot of things on like black male identity like mm. how we make sense of ourselves um and understanding that we're not always 100 percent. yeah you know i told my class like last week like my my own my own logic is that there is no person on this earth that's 100 mm. percent. no one is 10 toes down <laughs> like, okay, what you see? Yeah, staying a person on this earth that's ten toes down. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not that way. The best we can get is probably like seventy five percent. For sure, and even that's a lot in knowing like your whole self. Yeah. So, um, being comfortable with the shifting, the evolving of myself, being comfortable, you know, in in my emotions, being comfortable in my mental state, being comfortable in my my, my sexuality, being comfortable in my health. Um, all those things are, are still what I'm going through and I'm still learning. And it's a, it's a, 
it's an everyday process. It's ever, ever changing. Um, and I think that through my life and hopefully through my words, I can help black men be free. Mm. You know, I just tell them that freedom is available to you. That's, that's all I can say. And that has to be enough for you to, for you to like, oh, I want to be free. Because I can't tell you what freedom is. Yeah. I can only tell you like freedom is available for you. Mm. That's so deep. Man, that's so deep. I think <laughs> I, I came into that language, I think, the most in this year. Um, and I think that's what makes it so powerful that you're saying those specific, specific words. But I also think it's, you know, the fact that I went started going to therapy, you know, the middle of last year. And by the time the top of the year happened, I was in therapy for, you know, at least five, six months and at the top of the year, I go through a breakup and I feel so many different ways about the breakup because it's like, I don't want to, I, I feel like I'm in the way of her growth and I feel like I have messed up, but also feel like I haven't, haven't at the same time. It was just this real interesting, terrible blame game, but also like, I ain't, I ain't even asked for this. Like I was, I was planning, planning shit for, I already had the, the uh, Valentine's Day plans was set. <laughs> things was booked mm-hmm. and um yeah and recognize that you know a lot of what i felt like i was at least creating a space for was for me to be in a very narrow space of movement of being able to just actualize and just perform anything you know just genuine acts and mm-hmm. gestures of love just to be free just to be vulnerable all those different things i feel like i was allowed i was creating a very narrow space for myself. And I realized coming out of that and having that silence and having that solitude that, damn, I really just, you know, really want to be free. I really want to feel free. And I want all the people around me to feel to feel free and not encroach on that freedom that I'm trying to create for myself. And um, mm-hmm. and once I came into that, it was, like, pretty damn clear that, like, damn, that's, that's what I want. Like, that's what I got to, like, strive for. And even the way I, like it, – just that verbiage helped me come overcome certain anxieties that I feel like I've been dealing with my whole life because I, yeah, I, yeah, I had because a, like a, a financial anxiety. And I think me redefining what I thought about money yeah. um, and it came, I feel like it came with that, that thought process. What did you about to say? No. So I was saying like the thing, the thing, the most interesting part about freedom mm-hmm. is that when we cannot have freedom, we seek freedom through someone else. Yeah. And when we and when we do that, like typically in relationships, I can say that um, if someone isn't free, they're gonna seek freedom from that person. And us seeking freedom from that from our partners, that can be so draining because yeah. like we're we're sucking the life out of them Literally. for our own enjoyment. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like it, it should be a two individuals who who know what their freedom is, who are willing to take their individual freedom and share it in the entire world together yeah. and just live life that way. Yeah, you know, and um, there's so many societal norms that we held so dear to our heart that I don't think it's gonna make it tomorrow. Yeah. And 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 that's like the that's what I can appreciate about this pandemic is that like it shifted my societal norms mm. like yes. now because if I, I would have never had a moment to just to just stop and think and realize and feel and hold on and, and, and second guess myself about something new, I wouldn't be the person I am now. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, but, but they hurt though. It hurts that for me as a, as a black man 
um, to know that I, I benefited from a system to where I can just navigate life when everyone thinking about me, Yeah, you know, and, and never really have an opportunity to understand like, what is my impact on everyone else? Yeah. Like, how am I, how is my existence in a way hindering someone else's freedom? Yeah. How am I sucking the life out of someone else? And once that's been opened up to me and once I realized that it's like, that was sad. I was like, yo, I really, I really moved through life being the center of a lot of situations I didn't need to. Yep. That's it. And, and why, and the next question I have for you is cause you, you, the, workshop that you did was, you know, unlearning patriarchy. And I think, you know, patriarchy has became mm-hmm. an interesting buzzword that so many different, no matter who you are, you've, you know, heard this phrase, no matter what your uh, ideological uh, framework is, you have heard this phrase and can see it as this kind of woke buzzword. You can see it as this thing that doesn't exist as people who are literally going and being paid to disprove the uh, existence of it uh, through lectures and things like that. And I mm-hmm. think um, it needs to be uh, always kind of put into context when it ta- when you're talking about patriarchy in terms of its relationship with blackness. And, um, and I would love for you to, you mm-hmm. know, kind of elaborate on why unlearning patriarchy for, uh, for black men and just the black community is very vital in our own kind of journeys in our own, you know, self-liberation as well. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the the issue, the simplest way that I can put this, and I told it to some of my students, mm-hmm. uh, a man decided that men were first. Mm-hmm. Um, and because a man decided that men should be first, everyone else believed that men should be first in that sense. Yeah. So, you know, even beyond our, our racial understanding of it, um, and when you talk about how privilege assumes itself in, in various ways, um, most men have a problem with the understanding of their black. I mean, not, they have a difficult understanding of their male privilege. Mm-hmm. You know, they think that their blackness because of, you know, the oppression you might experience as a black man cancel out the male privilege that, you know, we don't really recognize. And we're so gung ho on that because of our racialized identity. Yeah. So patriarchy is this societal norm and assumption that men are preferred to be first. Mm-hmm. regardless of any situation um straight men are preferred first um they are the providers they are the protectors they are assumed to be taken care of and centered right so in in me recognizing that i had to first accept the fact that you know what i have been preferred and centered in my life even as a black man when it comes into relation to black women and black queer gay and trans individuals mm-hmm. um i have a preference in that so how has my preference being centered silenced other people yeah. you know um and, and it took me a while to understand that. it took me a while to get it but again i'm thankful for the black women in my life and, and you know my queer and gay friends who have told me about this stuff because i realized in a recent conversation i think you know for the most part lack a lot of identity development that you don't have to go through compared to like black women and you know and other marginalized community members because they're always questioning themselves they're always going through this this shift and changes of really trying to understand who they are so again for me i find myself you know coming around the curve a little bit late but even in that um the reason why um, black men have to understand 
um, this uncentering and, and unlearning of patriarchy because there's no love in it. There's, mm. there's absolutely no love in being and seeing yourself as a center. Yeah. Right. Because we, uh, even in that discussion, I talked about how, um, how patriarchy is, is, is racialized in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, how patriarchy serves a system of capitalism that's always going to have you to serve someone else. And if it's in the, in the context of patriarchy, men will always be served. Yeah. Men will always have preference. Um, and in doing that, you silence the voices of other people. So think about how the black voice is silenced. And then in another avenue, think about how black men silence the voices of others. Look at the context of, um, you know, Breonna Taylor's death, yep. Sandra Bland's death. Um, there was a lot of black women who have died due to police brutality, but because of this inherent patriarchal society, we're going to show you more of the black male's death. Yeah. Right. So then as a, as a combat to it, they come up with say her name mm -hmm. as a reminder that, Hey, black women are dying in this situation. Um, but even that say her name was co-opting when it came back with say his name. Mm -hmm. And you think about it, like we're going to say his name because society has preferred men to be first. Always. So you're going to see, yeah, you, you're going to see how, you know, um, uh, who was it? You're going to see how, I think it was, uh, I think I won't get his name wrong, but George Taylor, how, yeah. you know, he, his whole um, funeral service, there was multiple, multiple funerals for him across the country. Oh, George Floyd. Um, you know, I mean, sorry, yeah, George Floyd. Yeah. There was multiple um, funerals for him across the country, um, but, you know, we're still waiting for justice of, Breonna Taylor, we're still waiting for justice of, you know, the trans individuals and gay and queer individuals who have died that we really don't hear about till this months later. Yep. And we really need to, to understand about that, that we're not only fighting one system. Yep. Like we're not only, we're really not only fighting racism, you know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of people in this work, in this life, get caught up on the racism work that needs to be done. Yeah. In the end, we're fighting oppression. Yeah. And oppression happens like differently every day. We often participate ourselves in oppression. So how can we recognize I'm not trying to be an oppressor. I don't want to oppress someone else. I don't want to, I don't want to think that my, my freedom is more than your freedom or I can dictate how you should be free. I don't want to be that. I, I want to mind my business. I want to love you the way that you want to be loved. Mm -hmm. um, and I want you to be free. And, and that's, that's the root of it. So, Men have to see and ask themselves, one, why am I still doing this? Yes. Anything in, 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 re, in regard to anything that they do, why am I still doing this? Um, two, where have I learned this? Uh -huh. Where have I learned why am I doing this? And then three, what needs to change? Yes. What needs to change for my better, right? And, and that's what I can definitely say. What needs to change for my better to know that I cannot do this harmful act or how I can help someone understand this act that I wasn't doing was harmful, you know, mm. or, or like have those conversations. Uh, we need to have conversations with other men about it. We need to, we need to reach across the aisle yeah. and really talk to other men in our community and see like how, how can we support them, what their lived experiences is like, because all of it's true because you go through it, yeah. right? There's a certain validity to our life experience because you actually go through that whatever you might be going through. So how can you reach across the aisle? How can you have that, these conversations? 
and how can we see all black men are liberated? Mm. Play it back if you need to, people. <laughs> I hope whatever you're listening on that you have a cool, good rewind button. And I, I, I really appreciate you breaking it down like that because I think, you know, it's crazy how we uh, make the wrong things palatable in our media and society. You know, it's certain things that we shouldn't even cut. Mm-hmm. Just give it to us straight for people so there's no fluff and misunderstanding. And I think for this, it uh, it's so palatable because I think it's just straight up facts in terms of our you know shared experiences with each other. And for me, it's been it's been interesting. You know, I I, I think I remember I remember very vividly um, coming into the realization of how patriarchy was at work when I was uh, in school. I was I went to HBCU, and as most people know, mm-hmm. HBCUs are predominantly uh, not only black but predominantly female as well. And um, the school mm-hmm. that I went to was Clark Atlanta University, and it was literally twenty four to one when I first got there, male to female ratio. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. became I was elected uh, freshman class president, president, and they immediately did a story mm-hmm. on me. Like that was the story, like. There's a man who is elected in amongst all these, you know, women who are who more than likely, you know, should have been. And they made it in and they just opposed that to that current the current SGA president was uh was a woman. And although they just just opposed that, but I was like the cover. Like I was the person who was on the on the cover page. And then they you flip and you find out that there's other people involved and they got other quotes and interviews from other people. And it th- I think it took me a minute to realize, like, damn, that's like this was their dub. This was their win. Like, yeah, we finally got somebody who just, you know, yeah. Because I, I, all the people, all the other candidates were, were women, and and I remember all of them telling me in the midst of election uh, week, you're gonna win. And I was like, what you mean? I was like, I'm, I'm spooked because I'm like, the, the the numbers are against me right now. I probably got all. I yeah. might have all the fellas and stuff, but. That ain't even enough to win, you know. The looking at the numbers of our school, yeah, yeah, and I still won, and that was so interesting to me because it was a shift that happened, you know, for years uh, later, just where people wanted to kind of uplift and push up and um, create this very uh, interesting presence of of manliness on my campus, um, and I, I felt like yeah. I was a big part in you know that shift in that. Um, and that initiative in so many different ways. And I think once I got into a leadership role, I think I made it, uh, I immediately made it inclusive in this very interesting way. Like people pushed me up because they uh, thought I was like the top man to represent manliness. And immediately once I got there, I was like, Hey, we need, we need some more women in here. <laughs> Cause I'm like, they, they're, they're the one. They are the people who are supporting every single thing we do. Anytime we have community service events, whatever, whatever, yeah. there are way more women showing up than there are men. And this is a quote-unquote men-centered organization, you know? They're the ones involving us, mm-hmm. keeping us active, and keeping our essentially being the telephone and being the marketers for the brand of this organization by forever inviting us to things and all these different things. And it brought into context to me just the, the space and room that black women have forever made for black men, no matter what 
positions they find themselves in. And for me, it's, I even, you know, came into that realization when it came to my, my mom and my sister and our various relationships. And just to think like, damn, my mama caught on me a lot. And I didn't even realize it. Like, it's a lot of things that I'm learning how to do later in life that I know for a fact. I can think of examples of my sister already knowing how to do this well before she even got to college age. And it's just like, damn, there was this sense of initiative. There was this sense of, you know, striving for independence that I think my sister definitely, you know, uh, pushed for. And I think for me, it was like, even when I gave her that same energy, it was like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about having a car. I'm gonna take you wherever you need to go. Don't worry about uh, having a job. I'll take care of wherever you need. Don't, it was like all like truly, you don't need a worry. It was truly just this Prince Akeem mm-hmm. approach of raising a you know the only boy in the house, and even my sister co-opted mm-hmm. into that too. You know, I, and and I think it was like damn, but I needed that though. Like, cause now I'm like figuring doing things for the first time, learning things for the first time. Uh, going through certain aspects mm-hmm. of myself for the first time, and I think that hinders so many different men. And depending on the type of uh, circumstance that you find yourself in, if you are a man who is tall, athletic, all these different things, you're now even coddled even you know even more. You get some extra coddling, you know, in terms of your overall development. Yeah. And then as soon as you're put in a position where you now have to be a human and have to be an adult, you're like, damn, I don't even know how to do that. You come to the realization of the yeah. things that you lack, and that really humbles the <laughs> hell out of you. You know that oh, I don't yeah. me this person who everybody quote unquote yeah. looks up to that respects admires for whatever A B C. I don't even know how to do this. I don't even know how to do that. Yeah, because like it's 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 really a difficult position to 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 understand this on the opposite end that like, I think, I think when, when, what your listeners are going to have a hard time to see is like the, the, the gamut of experiences ranges from anything, right? There's, so there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of men who honestly work hard from their stuff and, you know, they should be awarded for how they work hard. But then again, there's a lot of men who were just like given and coddled. Yeah. Right. So like, that's, that's the same conversation with, you know, uh, the hardworking white person and, you know, and the white person who came from nothing. Like, because of racism, yeah. it's hard to tell, like, did you, or, and, and privilege, did you earn this or was it gifted to you? Yeah. So it's the same thing for men. Like, did you earn this or was this gifted to you, right? Because of that yeah. system, automatically preferring male, automatically preferring white. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. that's what we have a hard time really understanding and, and comprehending. But at the at the end of the day, we can all come to agree that, you know, women suffer on, mm-hmm. on both ends. And and, and, and then for black women, it's, it's an incredibly hard to tell, like, do you hate me because I'm black or do you hate me because I'm a woman? Yeah. You know, and, and like, that's what, and, and for them, like, that's what is so crazy about it, so crazy about their experiences. Um, so men, we've been, we've been protected. You know, because of yeah. our mothers, because of our aunts, because of like our siblings or, or our best friends or girlfriends we interacted with, we've been protected from a lot. And it's because of their, their labor and love. Like that, that's what they know. And, and I guess a little bit of that context goes back to slavery. You know, when, you know, when, when men were a high price and the, the, the mother had to 
coddle or protect their son and, and, mm-hmm. and make sure like he really didn't know all this stuff so he wouldn't be sold like yeah. he's of no use for you he's, yeah. he's not good so i know that he has a round he, he's not that valuable in, in a sense um but that, that in that instance that made black women the protector mm-hmm. the, really the protector at that moment because black men were shipped away and sold to different places so black, yeah. black women had to be everything in that yes. moment Yes. They had to do so much, and then they had to train their their black daughters to be, you know, the next level of it. Yeah. And and um, be, again, because of, of of patriarchy, men just assumed or received the benefits of everything. Yes. You know, even even in the animal kingdom, it's crazy because when you think about lions, like lioness hunt, the yeah. men just come in and like, ah, I'm gonna break his neck and I, it's, I eat first. Yeah. You know, it's like it's, it's definitely crazy how you know life has been situated itself, and how we we adapted these norms, but. We need to again understand not just racism, not just sexism, not just homophobia, but how does oppression manifest itself? Yeah. Because oppression looks at the oppressor and the oppressed. Like, what is that relationship? How are we? How are we? How are we understanding that relationship in many ways, and how is it being manifest? It's not just one angle, one avenue, or what we need to understand. So, the context of what I talk to black men is like, look, dog, you gotta understand, like, life has been somewhat given to you, yeah. even though you work hard for it. You work hard for it at a disadvantage, but yet still that disadvantage worked out for you. Yes. Or you're working through that disadvantage. Yes. At a at a rate that's that's more difficult for a black woman to go through. Yeah. Because a, a black woman is gonna literally have so many people telling her or hating on her in a way that she's not gonna feel supported. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I think like we should we should definitely do our parts in in checking in on, on, on our black women or and checking in on our friends. And being true to them and not thinking about how, you know, we could, again, serve black women or be or befriend black women for our own benefit. Because we, we hear a lot of that. And I heard a lot of it from, from, from different men. Like, oh, bro, you're doing this because you're just trying to get some pussy or whatever the case is. Like, nah, man, like, I truly care. I truly want people to be whole and free. And, 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 and sadly, that's some angles that black men have taken. Because when they say this stuff, when you've had these conversations, it makes you seem like you're conscious about yep. whatever's going on in our community. Yep. And but again, when it benefits yourself, that's that's like that's not love. That's not you know? that's not liberation. I'm not doing it for any of that. I'm doing it because I want people to experience freedom, to be okay making a decision. I want men to be okay making a decision doing what they want to do. Mm. I think um I thank you for saying that. That's 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 real cuz I do think it is a a hell of a, a gradient <laughs> a spectrum of things that have occurred to so many different people, but understanding that, um, that we all have been in this position cause we all live in this particular society, but you spoke on, um, the center and being centered. And in our, one of our first, in our first conversation, yeah. you, uh, gave me a concept that I wrote down, you know, and I still have, you know, and I, and I really want to keep that in my head and keep that reminder of, you know, we are not the center. And I'm not sure if you, you know, kind of came up with that, uh, those collection of words yourself or if that was something that you read or whatever, but I would love for you to elaborate on uh, on that concept to really drive the point home of, you know, of how we need to accept the fact that, you know, we have either consciously or subconsciously made ourselves and have been pushed to the center because of society and we've fought to stay there in so many different ways and why that isn't something that we have to fight for anymore. 
Yeah, yeah. So um, this was a conversation I was having with my best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Kelly. I'm gonna mm-hmm. make sure she hears this. I even shout. She Kelly was even there on the actual um, training session that I did for uh, Melon Network. Okay. Um, and she was, we were having a conversation about love. Uh-huh. And, and how um, how love work and what is love, what isn't love. And she said something to me that she had to say like three or four times for me to really get it. She said to me that, Michael, my family member of my friend said this to me when I was younger and I never got it until now. She said that women desire the desires of a man, uh-huh. but a man desire a woman. Mm. And I was like, what? What are you yeah. talking about? Yeah, you know she said again. Me. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Women desire the desires of a man, yes. but a man desires a woman. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, Kelly, okay, let's talk about this because you just can't drop this on me and then like think I'm gonna get it in the next couple of hours. So when she had that conversation about love and how, in many relationships, now this doesn't have to be a a a, a, a heteronormal heteronormal gender relationship. This can be anything. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a person under this construct of patriarchy that will have their desires desired, mm. right? And and then because that person having their desires desired is in the center, mm. and all they have to do is continue enough interest to desire that person. Like there's nothing beyond that. Um, and in simple and in cases that I I understood, I've been in the center when women that I've been with they really desired my desires and all I did was desire them. Mm. And I was just like, yo, that's so, that's so, that's so unfair. Yeah. Like how, how can I just, how can I continue to live this life where I'm not desiring what they desire? Yeah. You know, like how, how is that even, how is that, how is that, how is that a liberating process? You get what I'm saying? Because it works the same way as capitalism. Somebody is being served. And all they have to do is just give payment for their service. You know what I'm saying? I desire their desires, and all I got to do is desire you back. Um, and you hear in context and conversation how many times women or, or the other partners say, you know what, I lost myself in you because I desire you so much, it wasn't reciprocated to me. Yeah. So by men being in this inherent center and everything around us desire our desires, we're at this privilege. Yeah. Like we're, we're constantly at this privilege to where we are going to be served no matter what. I can do great things. I can do bare minimum things. But there is a person who is going to service me because I'm a man. Yeah. And that's the way life patriarchy has centered itself. And the most hard, the hardest part about that is understanding I don't have to be centered in this conversation. Mm. So in, in context of the workplace, you hear about mansplaining yep. when men are always talking. Um, uh, women aren't heard in many conversations. You hear about the the, the gender wage gap and mm-hmm. so many other things. You hear about how, in many cases, black women's ideas or whoever it is, ideas are, are taken and men are getting the credit. Mm-hmm. Like that centered action happens. So this is something I, I've been practicing long before I knew that centered or not wanting to be in the center was a way that I can really understand is that I shouldn't be talking as much. Mm. I should, I should, I should give up my center to allow someone else to say that I should be a positive reinforcement. I should 
desire someone else's desires. Yeah. Like what what is what like what is that like to remove myself from the center and say, you know, I don't want to be here. Mm. Like I don't I don't want to be in this position that life has inherently made me the end all decision maker. Yeah. Like I want to be I want to be I want to be free from that. I want to collaborate or I want to be able to let someone else make a decision for me. Yeah. Like I don't I don't I don't even want some of these patriarchal understandings and rigid structures of what it means to be a man. I want to expand upon that, you know? Yeah. Um, so be self-defined, be self-defined and not, I think it's important to to be self-defined and not, um, but ever evolving with it. Yeah. You know, to continue to, to involve in your your self-definition and to not feel like, uh, even my self definition is, is a cast or a standard that others must follow and live by. And and like once I understood that centering process and how men are centered, mm-hmm. life opened up in a different way. Life opened up when I can hear other people's conversations. Life opened up to where I can ask my friends like, hey, can I have this deep conversation with you? And not just automatically blow here's every word vomit, emotional vomit on them and putting these things on them. Yep. Because again, when you're in a center, you assume that you you don't want to hear my mess. You don't yeah. want to hear what I'm going through. You like, care you, about me, right? So you, you don't care about me, so you're gonna want to hear what I gotta say. Um, you know, uh paying black women for their work or paying paying my friends for their work because you know, it's something that I should value because they value it, you know, and and also understanding and, and saying like, you know what, I might not wanna pay for this because I can't. Or, or I, I, I'm not as confident in it as you are, and there's no, no disgrace to your work, but I just, I'm just not confident. And being comfortable in saying that, and, and vulnerable in those conversations. So me, removing myself from the center, has shown up in a lot of ways to where I'm desiring my friend to be whole, mm. my friend to be free. Mm-hmm. I'm not desiring what it looks like. I just. I just want you to be whole. I just want you to be free. I want you to be cared for yeah. because that's how life has always given it to me. Yeah. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't even, I can't even say that, you know, and, and it's true. Like I, my racialized identity makes it hard, but me being a man, I still have a better day than most. Yep. Cause you still can make the, uh, the choice to encroach on someone else's freedom. And, yeah, um, and, you know, and, and and that's definitely true when it comes to education inside the classroom. Yeah. You know, because because of all of that, I am assumed to have more access to freedom than um, than other people. And one thing that I'm really working on now, and I'm proud of thus far, I don't really dress up when I go to class. Like I be chill. Like, I ain't mad at it because there's there's an you know there's an assumption because of like my education, um, all the accolades that I assume. And the way that I dress, I should be respected. Mm. And that's a flaw because you're gonna have to respect me because I'm a human. Yeah. Not not by any of those other tangible things. It's respect me because I am a human. And I'm gonna respect you because you're a human. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because we can have people dressed up and, and do all this right stuff and still be bad. But, yeah. But they want the respect through the through the outer. And that's yeah. what I think a lot of men portray through this, through this mask, through this presentation. I wanna be respected, but not respected for what they have within their hearts. 
I, I um when you were said that you made me think of something that um something I learned several years ago um through a podcast called uh Black Men Can Jump in Hollywood. <laughs> Yo, that's a good podcast. Are you listening man. to that one? It's a, I love that I podcast. And they and so you'll be familiar with when they speak about the uh the Bechtel Wallace test. Um, where, you know, and for people who are who never heard of it, it's essentially a way to score or really uh, evaluate fiction by way of it, whatever medium being books, films, television, um, any type of storytelling where you actually are evaluating the representation of women and their actual value within these, you know, stories being written and told. And it's and the dope part about it is it's not even because I think what we recognize is that, oh, if we got women here, then that's enough. You know, if they're involved, then that's enough. And I think that's how a lot of people think. They think that very surface. But the dope part about the Bechtel test is that they speak to how how are women even featured in this piece? And when they are when they are, are they interacting alone without men present? And when they are, are they talking about me? So it's like so many layers of things like. Are you really having women in here just to play accessories to serve mm-hmm. to further serve the men the male characters in the story or are they actually human beings within this who have their own minds and aren't just fully um drawn and moved and motivated by whatever male characters are, that are part of this same story and narrative. And I think that's something that we can, you know, Think about when, even when it comes to the things that we consume, because that's what truly perpetuates and, and like fortifies, at least for me, the uh, the things that happen in our real lives, the things that we kind of perpetuate yeah. in our real lives. Because it's just like, oh, I mean, that's how they did it in this, you know, in this movie I love, in this story that I um, feel connected to. But it's like, if we really think about this, though, this was like right, toxic right, as right. Hell, so what, what I hope your your listeners do after they hear this conversation is is to go back and see. In, in film, in reading, yep. in music, um, in, in societal norms that we have amongst our family and friends, how much we actually prefer men over anything else. Yep. You know? Um, um, and Especially on social media, too. Think about social media, because a lot of times, you know, um, Twitter has many conversations. I think now, most recently, I heard about um, child-free communities. Yeah. Women that don't want children. Yeah, and they looked at it as like, like, like a deficit. Yeah, because they don't want children. Yeah, and and that that automatically sums up to be like a man needs to be there. Like you have to, you know, you have to have a man in many cases, in most cases, for a pregnancy to happen. Like you're not serving again men and their wants, mm-hmm. and the whole time they're like, no, I just don't want kids. Like, and that should be a right. That should be a freedom choice to say, I don't want kids. Mm-hmm. Um. Even when um, the same, it's, it's crazy because the same scrutiny that LeBron was getting for shut up and dribble, the same scrutiny that women are getting by taking ownership of their bodies. Yeah, you know, when it when it comes to like rap lyrics in many ways. Yeah, um, because of of it's they can't talk about these certain situations and it's only left for men and men talk. Yeah. Um, but a, a lot of women are embracing and taking on you know their their sexuality their their sexual image and their bodies which they should yeah. but again that whole scenario is that 
you are there to serve men and and it's something that we as a society has to learn like there's in that oppressive situation there shouldn't be any ownership yeah that's so that's that's just that's just it right there i love that um what what i wanted to um bring up is something um that really really um really uh resonated with me and it was a moment on twitter and um shouting out the person who tweeted it is a heavy twitter uh person um by the name of yusuf um let me go to the tweet so i can read it to y'all but uh he about a month ago he tweeted this out and then tweeted out a thread of things but this first tweet is what i'll read to you guys and that is black men have been trying to have the discussion on how patriarchal and capitalist system harms and damage us as well usually met with jokes slander sarcasm about males not wanting to hold up systems they created that's the thing black men didn't at all and that's uh at yusuf yui um on twitter and um and yeah i was and i brought that to you because i feel like you know when it comes to when i recognize that i had some sense of financial anxiety and when i i think i've always been very keen on the things that my mom my sister like i had to do you know it was like why well, i gotta do this like why me like yeah. this is this is a very like just nece- necessary thing you know what i'm saying in terms of just gender roles and all these various things the best example i can give is uh taking out the garbage like Taking out the garbage was such a, a, a manly thing in my house for some reason. I, I would assume probably in a lot of other houses. And I remember going away for the weekend, either to stay with friends, visit uh, you know other family members, coming back. And it was like they was waiting on me to come back. And I was like, I know trash had to be taken out. Yeah. All day on, you know, on Saturday. And now I come back on Sunday and it's a whole like, dang, like y'all just saved it for me. Like what's going on? And I remember yeah. saying to my mom, I was like, how would you feel if I, like, raised my daughter to take out the trash? Like, what if I had sons and daughters, but I, told them, I taught them all that you just take out the trash when they need to be taken out. She was like, no, you need to tell them boys to take that trash out just like I do to you. <laughs> and I'm just mm-hmm. like, but but my when I'm not here, do you take it out? She was like, yeah, if it, if it gets too crazy, I'll take it out. But usually I try to wait, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was just like, why I got to be like this? And when it comes, and I think about that in a broader sense of how that those labels of being the provider, the labels of being the the you know the main finance, the person bringing home the bacon, the person who has to be the executive CEO of the house, the head of household, various titles and lofty shit they want to attach to all these various things, and that a lot of men are extremely proud of and establish a million different power mm-hmm. dynamics do whatever they do with these uh, societal norms. And I, I just Wait, love Wait, I want to say something about that. Yeah. I want to say something about that. But you know what's so crazy for men to be the head of the household? They don't service They don't service the house? Yeah. You ever thought about that? Yeah. Like, men are the head of the household, but they do no servicing in the house. It's typically the woman that does everything. So, yes. again, that's, a, that's, that's centering that's a patriarchal situation because if I'm just labeled the CEO but my workers do all the work, like who should get more credit? Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, again, it's handed to me in that situation. Um, 
so again, that that just came up in my mind. But yeah, continue on. You, you're saying a lot of like, great I, stuff with. It. But you you get you going down that road of just like thinking about these various norms that I think are attached to quote unquote masculinity and to manhood. Um, from mm-hmm. not only from from the most extreme things that are attached to you know quote unquote manhood being you know literal genitalia to these very you know intangible things such as you know you know you know you got to be a man you got to be the one to you know tell them what to do you got to be the one to stand on you know whatever it is and blah 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 be the person in charge and exert your masculinity and protect your masculinity uh without either saying that directly or without saying and i always think that's such a I've come, I think I've always battled with that. And I think I battled with that because I grew up in, you know, in a single, single mother with my sister. And like, these are, these are, these are the two humans I'm around all the time. But yet I need to understand yeah. all these various things that the world quote unquote is putting on to me, but I'm seeing them do the things that they're telling me that I'm going to essentially have to learn how to do for myself in some way, shape or form. So I can then provide that, uh, outlook in that, that outlook onto somebody else. But it was like, the treatment isn't the same. Yeah. I'm not being treated the same. I'm being asked to being to, to, to learn certain lessons and I'm not even being able to get there because you're coddling my development to a certain degree because you feel like as a man, you somebody going to do that for you. I, my mom, my mom wouldn't even let me be in the kitchen when she cooked, and I had to teach myself how to cook. And now I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty mm-hmm. decent, but that being a thing yeah. is is such a, a interesting thing. The fact that I love to cook now, and that's something that I literally you know would do just just because. And it's like I, I remember that being a radical thing to say in college. Like I remember they was like, so you, so you got to date a girl that you know that know how to cook. I was like, I mean, she don't have to know how to cook. I know how to cook. I cook for us. Honestly, it don't, we're yeah. going to eat <laughs> and it's not, we're going to eat because I'm just buying the food and feeding us. But, but literally because, and also I, I eventually started to add to that. If she's willing to learn, I'll teach her. I will hope that she, you know, we want to know how to do something and will be open and be teachable in that way. Cause that'll be very attractive, but her coming already ready to be, you know, you know what I'm saying? Rachel Ray in the kitchen. I, I'm not going to trip. You know, if you, if baby you come with that, Making that breakfast and that Alfredo, we gonna work with that. You know what I'm saying? If, you, if you're a good person, and, and, that's what you. Like, that's what you took the time to learn. Okay, cool. Yeah. Because there's so many men I know and, who and can only cook in the microwave. Like, how can we put yeah, that? That because like yeah. We we have gendered so many requirements on both ends, right? Yeah. And and and, and when we cross that boundary, we assume that they're flawed. Yes. You know, because I remember um, growing up, I I, I love to read. Mm-hmm. Um, I love my family used to get on me all this time. I used to love being outdoors and hiking. I like I like being outdoors and doing that stuff. Yeah. But somehow, because I like you know kayaking, that's labeled as white people stuff. Yep. Oh, you like doing that white people stuff? I'm yep. like, <laughs> why is kayaking white people stuff? Like yeah. this is what I enjoy doing for myself, and you're not allowing me to have this freedom so now I have to disown every time I want to kayak yeah. because that's labeled as white person stuff. Yeah. Or you got white in the name. Situation. White water kayak, Michael. <laughs> right. All, 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 this, all this hatred, hotel stuff coming up, man. It's it's ridiculous, right? So we we've gendered a rigid we we have 
can create it like a rigid structure to yeah. what it means to be a man that is so limited. You know, yeah. you got to be a provider. You got to be a protector. You got to be a procreator. You got to take out the trash. Yeah. You got to be loyal. You know, like, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's any, anybody can do those things. Right. But somehow if a man does it, it means more. Yeah. And then on the other end, you know, you got, you got to have a woman that's submissive. You yes. got to have a, a woman that's that that's sexually liberating, but not too sexually liberating. Um, you got to have one that that doesn't talk back, and and you got to have one that's willing to bear children. You have one to cook, right? But again, you go back to the the system of patriarchy, and, and I was uh, like really shocked when when I learned this, and I think a lot of other people know it. Like we require women to cook so much and be so great at it, then why aren't more women top chefs in the world? Yep. Like if you think about it, the majority of the top chefs in the world are men. Yes. Again, it's the system of, yep. of this preference, but yet we require women to be in the kitchen and, and do all these amazing things. Mm-hmm. So how can we, how can we have conversations now with our friends, with our family members about these gender norms that we held on to for so long? Yeah. Because, that was a part of our old system yeah. that we lived in and that we accepted. So moving forward, how can we be okay with um, a male cooking, loving to cook? Yeah. How can we be okay with a male wearing a dress who has aspirations of being a, a phenomenal fashion designer or who just wants to wear a dress? You know, how can we move beyond on. that? Right. How can we move beyond that? and let those things happen. How can we allow a woman to say, you know, I don't want to have kids or how can we have a woman to say, you know, I want to be a CEO of a company and make it there without any troubles. Or how can you have a woman say, you know, I just don't want to be bothered or I don't want to smile. Like, how can we like, how can we have all those things happen and just let it be without it being some backlash. And I don't think, I really don't think there's enough men who are vulnerable with, not being centered and not being in control. Yeah. Like that that's that's a lifelong process we're gonna have to understand. And then at the same time, I don't think there's enough women who aren't okay with the man not being in control. Mm. Because it's it's it, like in that scenario with the man being centered, he know what to expect. And and sometimes with the woman she knows what to expect as well because the man is going to figure out and do the things. Yeah. There's never, I don't know how many conversations I have when it's like, I don't want to make decisions or I want to make the decision. Like, what is that like? So on both ends, there's, there's a learning process for these norms and understanding that one, I am whole by myself, but then there's another person that I want to be there along the way with me. Or there's multiple people that I want to be along the way with me because, like, who says it has to be a monogamous relationship? Like, yeah, there's so many things that yeah, go yeah, and that I, we and, have to look. and that and I think that's a concept that you know is is deep and you know people really need to <laughs> do a lot of other things so that can even be more of a concept that people accept to be an option for their lives because it could more than likely you know uh, straighten out some things and not be certain so certain issues may not happen as often. But I, I, I think for me, I, I've, I've, that's been a very interesting battle for me, um, just an uphill battle in terms of like, because that it comes with adulthood, you know, it comes with understanding like these are the expectations put on to you, um, even if you've opted into them or not. And I think you know when you 
And it is unfortunate yeah. when you do look for guidance and you do look for people who, you know, more than like you, like, oh, this is an elder who probably been through it before. And they give you this, you know, this narrative that it's like, damn, you really give me down a road that you're not happy with. Like, you don't seem too happy even in the advice that you're giving me about this. And in, in that same thread that Yusuf uh, posted, he spoke to a, uh, a older family member of his who he was like, he was so drained. And he was just like, you know, how was, you know, how do you feel as you know as 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 a person now at this age where you're retired and doing them? He was like, I just was a provider. I just made sure I had, I made sure the house had whatever it needed, and yeah, so many men opt into that, and that's oh that's why that's why I wanted to make sure to mention to you. So that same day that we had our conversation to actually you know kind of outline this particular episode, that same day I remember speaking mm-hmm. to you. We both had therapy that night, and um and I spoke to my therapist and I brought parts of our conversation into therapy and mm-hmm. and what was so dope and it was one of the best i wish i, I wish i could have recorded that zoom call <laughs> to just go back to it because i would have loved yeah. to see his reaction like my, i never seen my therapist hit hit like yes <laughs> and i'm like oh my god what did i say and it was it was around the uh the, it was around the concept in the conversation that we spoke on when it came to boundaries when it came to yeah. you know men actually being aware of what their boundaries are, being able to self advocate those boundaries once they become aware of them and set what those things are, and why they've been existing and moving without boundaries in the first place, and he mm-hmm. he spoke to how he was so glad I shared that with him because he was like this is a conversation that I feel like I have an understanding on within myself in my own uh, life, but I couldn't. Um, explain it to people who came to me with these particular where, where it fell into that was the thing um by friends by clients all these various people because so many men who are married feel like they are just there just playing this yeah. role and you know happy wife happy life that's a that's a a thing uh you know you know whatever whatever she like whatever she want you know what i'm saying I'm old lady you know that energy and and they are so unhappy. And I, I spoke to him and I gave that same example that I gave you about like how so many men either don't advocate for themselves, don't speak up, don't establish boundaries, and then manifest and turn that energy, turn that resentment into an, a very egregious action by way of cheating, by way of you know domestic violence, by way of just... Just overall, just aggression and discomfort within the relationship, and then, and now they don't have any ground to stand on. Now, because the the unfortunate side about it is, women, a lot of women have showed so much, have grown this capacity for loyalty that they'll give you a second chance. All right, I forgive you. I take you back. But now it's like. That's always this guilt. That's always this thing in the back of your mind. It's like, damn, I did. I, I cheated on her like five years ago, and she finally, you know, it, we finally over it. I can't complain mm-hmm. about the way that I feel like she's treating me in this moment. That may be very, maybe a valid thing to bring up within the relationship because it does affect you. It does affect you in this heavy way. But it's I can't even. Mm-hmm. I can't even do that. So you just take it, and yeah, and, 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 and it strips and, and, the and, identity of who you are within that relationship. And as a yeah. as a partner, and I think, yeah. why would you want to exist in that in that partnership? And most people, I think that's why so many partnerships die within marriages because it's like I'm just playing this role. 
just to make you happy. And your resenting your resentment has turned into just, you know, this constant kind of onslaught on, you know, making sure that I obey. And now we're just just playing these roles instead of actually thriving and living with each other and growing with each other because we're just we've had this bump in the road that we really never got over. And like a, a lot of that, and I think a, a lot of times uh, I, I heard many good conversations about on both sides of the fence of, of knowing yourself before you get into a relationship, but then um, get into a relationship to know yourself better. Mm-hmm. And whatever side of that scenario, one thing must be made true. You got to know yourself mm. and, and know yourself without the roles Right. Again, because men, men to be a man, you have to perform these roles, which could fit, which not going to fit. And and you begin to hate it. Mm -hmm. You hate the fact that I have to do this stuff to be seen as a man. Or you can hate these these things I have to do as a husband in order to be be a husband. But you never really know yourself outside of these established roles. Mm -hmm. So before you establish these roles and know yourself better, you got to have these boundaries. Like, what are these boundaries like? How am I, and as you mentioned, how am I going to communicate these boundaries in a way that we both have an understanding? Because these boundaries are what's going to allow me to still experience freedom, mm. right? And when these boundaries are impacted, I can no longer experience this freedom like I need to. So let's have a conversation about it. Yes. Let's not sleep underneath the rug. Yep. Let's have a conversation about it, right? So men need to know what their boundaries are because those boundaries are going to allow them to know what freedom is uh, and how another person can be a part of their freedom experience. Yeah. And, you know, again, because of this absolute thing of being stirred, you know, a lot of men can go through these, these, these scenarios where they can do these egregious things and they understand that like, oh, she'll take me back or, you know, that's, that's a form. Uh, love that we got, or it's it's, it's 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 assumed to be like that, man. I'm telling you, like this. When I I think what what snapped for me is like it was, it was a, a situation to where I was in a relationship and that taken back didn't happen. Mm. She stood firm on her boundaries and her level of freedom, yeah. right? And me and not understanding at that moment, I was still trying to make myself. The center i had to back off and just like okay i did wrong it has to happen i have to suffer those consequences of me doing wrong in that in that scenario mm. without expecting that to be a wrong thing but understanding like that's the level and that's her boundary that you have to create and at that moment i never thought about michael what are your boundaries like and, and like what are you establishing for yourself to, to, to continue a life where you're, you're, you're knowing what freedom is, you're exploring freedom, and you're allowing someone else to be free. So ever, ever since that moment, I've been working on it, yeah. constantly working on it, constantly have a better understanding. But men that listen to this call, like men who want these conversations, like find out what your boundary are that's not sexual. Because <laughs> like, that's one yeah. thing that's going to just come up. Like we got a sexual boundary, but we don't have an emotional boundary. We don't yeah. have a mental health boundary. Yeah. We don't have a financial boundary. We don't have a friendship boundary. We don't yeah. have a family boundary. We don't have a male boundary. We don't have a blackness boundary. Like we, we don't have a religious boundary. Like find out what your boundaries are and, yeah. and allow them to mold you and, and, and to like really change as they come and go. You know, yeah. and understand how people interact with your boundaries. You know what I'm saying? Like have conversations about it. Have more conversations. Yeah. 
And I, 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 I will, I actually, um, you just inspired me to do something because I actually found this great kind of article when I was just trying to assess my own boundaries and how to really figure that out. Because once I, once I realized, like, damn, you really ain't been moving with boundaries, my nigga. Like, you got to, like, figure this out. <laughs> and how can you make those yeah. steps to figuring that out? And um, I came across something that um, gave categories. Just gave mm-hmm. categories of various things that everyone um, more than likely has has an aspect of their life. And it was like personal space, time and energy, yeah. uh, sexuality, yeah. so on and so forth. And um, I think I'm going to create something around that. So, you know, for everybody listening, make sure that, you know, I'm, more than likely at this point, once you're listening, you'll see something that uh, accompanies this particular episode that you, you know, that I think could at least start, at least serve as some type of guide to possibly assess your own boundaries. Uh, even if you've already are very aware of them, you may want to reassess to, because you, we all grow, we all change, we all come into new uh, parts of ourselves, and we may need to add something, may need to take something away, because it's like, hey, I actually don't even mind that anymore. Let me, I mean, that's not even really a boundary anymore, you know, especially when you think yeah. about why you created that boundary and why, you know, you more than likely can remove it. And I think that's how we have to, think about it and um, and see it as see it just as that that you're not uh, creating restraints within yourself but you know actually creating that pathway to freedom within uh, your interactions and relationships with people uh, as a whole because that's what I had to really once I, I really immediately came into that concept once I realized I didn't have them um, and yeah. I think that was the dope part about that interaction with me and my therapist and um and that's something that I really want to continuously kind of build on. But I, I think um, I want that to be the new trend. I want because I think boundaries and all those various things are attached to our own self-worth. We have to assess assessing ourselves and being aware of ourselves. It's truly attached to self-worth. Shout out to Bree Stories, who in various conversations that I've had with her was the one who kind of brought that to my awareness in terms of like just i was i remember just answering some like very twitter hypo, i think it was some twitter hypothetical question about relationships and some um situation that you're in he was like i mean you just kind of i guess you got to just kind of deal with that we just got to anticipate that if you're in if you ever find yourself in this particular situation don't even remember what it was but what she said to that was the most interesting thing and i was like i just want men to have more self-worth cuz you don't have to go through that with whoever would do that to you and I just was like, yeah. damn, we don't, but we do, we like, we decide to, you know, like the, the notions of, you know, you know, you know, you know, attractive women are crazy, you know, you just got to deal with certain things and blah, blah, blah. And it's yeah. like, no, actually you could say like, actually, I'm not cool with this. I am attracted to you. I yeah. did want this to be a thing, but this is a little yeah. too much. And I, before I do more than before I get out of my own character because you're because you're doing something I don't really agree with I just remove myself and being able to do that like being able to say to yourself because that's what a practice of of really advocating for yourself and practicing self-worth is saying something that I was somebody that I was attracted to something that I wanted to be somebody that I wanted to be a part of my life in some way shape or form I'm okay with them not being that and I think for so many men who are listening that's something we do not do. We want to always have that that uh, that hold that that access uh, into 
into especially especially you know especially straight men into women who we've already crossed their boundaries harmed in some way shape or form like hey i still want to be able to call hey i still want us to be friends i still want us to all those things and we yeah. have to not it would be the best thing for us to notice that the, our compatibility isn't going to work in the first place and to let it go instead of trying to go, go away with something you know it was like well i'm gonna hit at least i'm, yeah. a, I'm gonna have sex at least even though i know i ain't gonna commit i know I ain't, she ain't gonna be my girl or nothing but she fine like i'm here for i'm might as well do this and then go Instead of even getting into right. that level, just remove yourself from it entirely and being okay with removing yourself and allowing yeah. her to remove herself too. Yeah, and, and again, that all again that, that constantly pops back up in my mind of a conversation of one person being in the center. Yeah, because if you if you were to honestly have that conversation um, about what your intentions are with the women or with whoever your partner might be, yeah, um, there could be conversation about okay, what does you know, this experience look like to where if you don't want to be serious, cool. And if you just want to make this like something about sex, cool. But I'm not going to be serving you in a way that you're going to be in the center and, I, and, I'm, and I'm not desired back. You know mm. what I'm saying? And that's when men are like, oh, no, no, you can't be doing that. It's only me and no one else. I mean, like, why are you being oppressive? Like, yeah. why are you not, you're not giving me what I need and why I still got to serve you? But you can have those conversations to where it's a, it's a healthy and equal understanding that you can do you, yeah. I can do me, and we can enjoy this experience. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's something that people, you know, compromise so often. I think that's why we, you know, have <laughs> so many um, various. We have more. We have more uh, <laughs> words and synonyms for you know situationships, entanglements, <laughs> and various right. other things than we do actual like healthy. Uh, partnerships and relationships and all those different things it's, it's very yeah we gotta we gotta expand our knowledge on that too because yeah. you know the way we've been conditioned to believe oh this is what a healthy relationship looks like yep this is what you know a, a situationship looks like that's mm -hmm. what it has to be not understanding there's like a spectrum of whatever it could be yep and you know however it turns out for them you're only going to see glimpses of it yeah right no matter no matter who you are What's going on? If you're trying to look at someone else's life, you're only going to see a glimpse. And you're going to see a glimpse either before or after the outcome. Yeah. You're not going to see anything else really in between of it. So, you know, take the initiative and say, these are what my boundaries are. This is how I want to experience freedom. This is how I'm going to love. This is how I'm going to liberate. And I, and I, I hopefully I can find someone who agrees with the same things. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, you said so much, and I think it's best, best time. I have a segment here, which is my call to action segment, which I call Send It On. And um, I'm a big fan of uh, the R&B, the 90s R&B star D'Angelo. So at this time, when you hear this, you'll hear this, the, the, the soulful sounds of D'Angelo playing behind my voice right now. And what my Send It On question to you is, because we, we we spoke to in the buzzword of this particular episode is, you know, center and being centered and we are not the center. What is the best way that you would say for uh, for a black man? Because I believe a lot of black men are going to hear this uh, to start that journey of unlearning and removing themselves from the center in uh, various parts of their lives. Obviously, this is a, a far stretch of something that's going to happen fast, but at least the start 
Man, I think that I think to unlearn to unlearn the sinner, you must recognize who you are in the sinner, mm. um, and accept the fact that I've been in the center in a lot of situations. I mm. have possibly abused the center. Recognize that within yourself. Apologize for yourself. Move on with yeah. that from yourself. Um, and then ask yourself, you know, who am I willing to put in this place? Mm. Who am I going to put in the center? Who am I going to desire their desires for? Mm. Um, and that might be uh, a significant other. That might be a family member. That might be a friend. And um, find out that. Find out what's a healthy measure of that. But never lose, never lose the most important thing that a lot of people need to understand is that I do not have to limit someone else's freedom. Mm. I can't, I can't, I can't oppress your freedom. Yeah. You know, mm. and um, that's that's what I'm understanding. That's what I'm I'm going through right now. It's like yeah. I cannot oppress anyone else's freedom. And who am I going to desire their desires for? Yeah. Um, and, and, and and moving that forward and understand that fashion of love, I think you could really open up some parts of yourself that you have not, that you are, are scary to open up and to move forward then. And, and, and just realize that the only way that you are going to experience freedom is if you act on it. Yeah. Like you never know what's going to be out there if you just don't kind of act on it in a healthy way, yeah. you know, in, in conversations and, and having these conversations, like be willing to have these conversations with your friends, um, family members, and others. Um, find, uh, we say this a lot, and, and I think we need to really change the narrative of getting into therapy, right? Mm -hmm. and, 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 and it's not necessarily getting into therapy but most importantly find therapy that wants wants you to change yeah like that's what we have to really like transition the conversation from find therapy that you're willing to change for mm -hmm. um and stick with it and yes. grow with it yes. and challenge yourself with it because on on the back end you're going to become a person that's okay with the challenges of change mm. a word a true a true word a true word i i I truly thank you um, for the work that you do um, and for all people who have, you know, assisted you in the work that you do, for all the women that have taught you the things that you uh, are now explaining to me um, now I'm, and, you know, and also um, expressing to all the, the ears that hear this. It's something that I think, you know, is necessary. I look at moments like this I look at moments where, you know, two black men can sit here and converse about plants and therapy and see that ass. Yeah, how your plants doing? They doing good. They doing real good. Okay. <laughs> they doing real good. And to speak about those things as a way of, you know, as our, as our own self-care, as our own therapeutic uh, practices, I, see, I have to, um, you know, relish in, the, in that, you know, sense of progress, in that movement. Um, to something else, to something greater, to something better. Um, because I truly believe we can be better for ourselves so we can be better for everyone uh, around us and and be beneficial to the people that are around us. Because I didn't, I didn't realize until I got, 
you know, certain topics, did certain topics, brought certain, invited certain people on my podcast that I was even doing something that was somewhat of a statement, you know, having these conversations about sexuality with, um, with men, with men who don't love women, who don't, you know, who don't have sex with women, having conversations with women about how they feel in terms of their place within the workplace and, and their place within, you know, in relation to men. I didn't think, I thought I was like, these are the type of conversations I'd be wanting to have. And I didn't think that me, me as this, this black Southern man was doing something that was important. I think I relish in these moments to realize that something, something is happening. There's something in the air. There's, there's a, 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 a very distinctive line being drawn in the sand of like, Hey, you, why not you, why you ain't on this? Like, bro, come get some, come get some of this, you know, come get some of this. Like, why are you still, you know, on this very archaic way of thinking, you know, we are over here on yeah. this. We loving, we loving over here. We loving and being free. Yeah. Um, and I want to continuously be a part of that movement and continuously push people like yourself, uh, up with the words and the work that you do. And I really, really, truly appreciate all that you do. Um, I want you to let everybody know how they can follow, how they can support uh, you in any way, shape, or form. Um, please let them know. Yeah, yeah. So my most active thing is that I'm on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Commander in Chief. It's C O M M A N D R underscore in Chief. Um, that's where I engage most of my followers, most of my students, mm-hmm. most of my friends, uh, I'm there um, doing that. I'm just trying to really um, continue to push this movement of, of, of black men finding life, love, and liberation. Mm. Uh, I think that's, that's available for everyone um, yeah. who wants to. Uh, I'm open to conversations just like this. Hey, you hit me up. You want to talk about something? I ain't going to be there the best way I can um, because I do think that the, the, this work it, it's, it's important. And I, I ultimately understand that I cannot talk to everybody, but there's somebody that I'll listen. And yeah. I don't have to talk all the time either. Yep. You know, I can, I, can, I can sit down, I can be in my corner, but you ask me a question, I'm going I'm to tell you what I think about it. Um, and I don't have to be out in the front. So I don't have to be in the center. Yeah. Um, and I'm learning and I'm constantly learning not to put myself in the center of situations, but just to find a way I can exist. Because in existence, there's a lot of centers. Yes. There's, a, there's a lot out there. And I don't have to be the center. Yes. Yes. And I really, really appreciate everybody for uh, for listening, for the people who have li- are probably listening for the first time. Uh, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you for coming back. For everybody who will return listeners, make sure you subscribe what, on whatever platform that you're listening on this on. Um, leave comments. Leave reviews. Uh, like. Share. And um, and also follow me at uh, everywhere on, at uh, Kings underscore Memoirs. That's Kings underscore Memoirs. Follow the podcast at Simply King Pod on IG. Um, I got stuff happening every every week. You're gonna get you're gonna get something. Um, gonna get something else. Either you know something evergreen or timely that you need. And as I say all the time, this is family size content. You know, 
you you you're gonna be ashamed of yourself if you sit there and eat a whole bag of family sized chips by yourself. Share some of them chips. So share this content for me, you know? Um I really appreciate your time, Michael. I appreciate you giving me your time. Um, I appreciate everybody who's listening, and I truly hope that uh, the words that are, have been expressed have moved you in some way, shape, or form. This is the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for humans simply being human. I'm Rodney Perry, and this is Simply Kink. Peace. Corrupt a man's heart with a gift. That's how you find out who you're dealing with. A small percentage you I'm building with. I want the credit if I'm losing or I'm winning on my mama. That's the really, that's the really. Yeah, let's talk about it.